Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome back, and today we have a social innovator who's also an award winner, and we're going to talk to Shanta about her various endeavors, and we're going to start by welcoming Shanta to our podcast. Thank you, Peter. So nice let's to be start, with you. Let's start with your academic background, where you went to school and what you liked at school. Okay. Well, I actually went to boarding school in England, in Brighton, um, at the age of 12. And after that, I went on to art school and then university where I studied architecture, because art was my first love. And after that, I spent about 20 years traveling around the globe designing hotels. So that's that in a nutshell. Wow. And how did you end up in Canada? I happened to meet a Canadian gentleman who was working in Hong Kong at the time, and he ended up moving to Singapore, where I was living, back in 1998. And things just happened from there. He then moved to Singapore. We lived there together for about 10 years. And then he decided it was time for him to move back to Canada as his parents were getting a bit older. And that's how I've ended up here, really, because of him and my children who all ended up being Canadian. Wow. That's uh, quite a... So you have a lot of frequent flyer points, obviously. I I used to, that's for sure. (laughs) I spent half my life in the UK, half my life in Singapore, and the last 10 years here in Canada. Terrific. And you made great uh, contributions in Canada as a social innovator. So let's start with the beginning of your involvement as a social innovator. Sure. Well, when I, after been, having been in Canada for a couple of years, about three or four years, I decided that I was quite comfortable here and I needed to give back to a country that was giving so much to especially my children. And the youth were very important to me. And I felt that they needed to learn how to use their voice, the voice that they'd been so blessed with. And so I started a social justice group for kids called the Giving Tree Union Bill. And that really started me on my journey, educating um, kids how to basically fulfill their dreams of the various initiatives that they wanted to champion. And it's really gone on from there, and we've just championed so many amazing causes, from the homeless to the indigenous to the environment, Um, and that's basically been my journey over the last seven years. So this is a non-profit, I assume. Yes, this is a non-profit. And do you have a large number of teenagers or youth that are participating? Every year I have 30 young teens. I cannot take more than 30 because that's the number that I can manage and really be able to give them my all. So, yeah, so every year I have 30, and as they move on to high school, I encourage them 
to leave the Giving Tree as an active member and start up um, groups in high school. But I'm always there to help support them. So every year I'm able to take on a new bunch of kids. Well, that's very exciting. Has this uh, concept spread in different communities or is it strictly in Unionville, which is part of Markham? It is strictly in Unionville, which is part of Markham. Various people have asked me to help them set up in other um, communities, but unfortunately I'm giving so much of my time to so many different initiatives to help support all the different kids that I just don't have enough time to help others set up. I really wish I did, um, and maybe that's something I might do in the future, but right now I'm just focusing on the over 400 kids that still rely on a little bit of support from me over over the weeks and months and years. So it sounds like you have an alumni group that's uh, equally important. Yes, it is. That's right. They are. The ones that move on still need a little bit of guidance, and they come back. And so I do. I have this huge alumni growing, and that's something that's very important to all of them because they form a fantastic network and help each other as they grow and as they get older. So what do parents have to say about what you're doing? Oh, the parents absolutely love it. I think they're living vicariously through their children, and they wish that this was something that they had done and they could have done. Um, But they're very, very supportive, so I'm very lucky on that front. What about uh, expenses? How do you fund this kind of organization? Um, We have, I have one or two very kind supportive um, individuals, but it isn't, money isn't something that um, we look for. Um, We're self-funding and everything that we work towards, we try to do so without the need of any sort of monetary um, contribution. So we try and keep funding out of everything that we support. We do it through action rather than through monetary donation. So tell me a little bit more about the program. When do you meet? How often do you meet? We meet once a week, every Monday, after school for a couple of hours. And then during the rest of the week, the kids normally um, meet up in smaller groups to try and work on the various initiatives or projects that they've championed for the year. Um, And we also attend many different um, events um, all over Canada that a lot of the schools just don't seem to support. Um, You know, various um, give back events. We have We Day, which happens once a year. We have an Indigenous dance group that comes to town every May called Outside Looking In. Um, We've set up and contributed all the books to a library in a First Nations reserve called Iba Matung. We've changed all the light bulbs on a First Nations reserve from um, the standard light bulbs to LED, which has saved every household uh, $70 in electricity minimum a month, and so on and so forth. Uh, So these are just some of the initiatives that we work on throughout the year, although we just meet once a week. So for these kids that are involved, or youth or a combination, 
What are the benefits they get from joining your organization? Well, they learned a lot. They learn a lot more about the world in Canada um, through different eyes. They learn self-confidence mainly. Um, they learn to stand up and speak up for what they believe in, in a positive and respective manner. Um, they, we teach each other the tools of how to support organizations that um, need help. Um, I'm still learning, and I learn from the kids as well. Um, so they basically grow a lot in a socially independent and socially minded way, something that they just don't get taught in school. And the parents don't also have the wherewithal or the knowledge um, to be able to help them grow so, in that direction. So tell us uh, a little bit about the feedback you get from these students. Oh, they absolutely love it. They never want to miss a class. They're always so excited about all the events that we organize. Um, they so look forward to Reday, which happens once a year. And it's, big, it's a large concert that's put on um, at the Rogers Center. And you can't buy tickets. You have to earn a ticket through having given back throughout the year. So that's something that they really work towards um, every year. And what about the community? Have you had any feedback from the community or the politicians? Oh, the, the community has always been so supportive of everything that we do. We've done a lot of um, awareness initiatives just within Markham. A couple of years ago, we installed what you call a board of hope, which was a huge chalkboard. And people would come every day and write on this board just what their hopes were for the future. And it was something that we installed um, in the spring and summer months. Um, we also acknowledged the fact that trees were being cut down um, illegally. We um, established a monument to that in one of the local parks, and we erected a tree stump, and we call it the Seat of Hope. Um, and, the, and the community just absolutely love the fact that we're bringing people together and helping to create awareness of things that are important just within the community. But besides that, you've other, done other things in the community. Tell our listeners a little bit about your HORN project. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, in tw 2008, before I moved here, a small group of seniors we're trying to get the train horn stopped within the city of Markham because the, they realized that the frequency of the trains was increasing and would increase at a significant rate in 10 years after. Well, they tried and tried and tried and really got nowhere. So about eight years ago, I stepped in and tried to help them. I took over the initiative, and um, with a small team of my kids and parents, we knocked on over a 1,000 doors to get a petition signed for the city of Markham to and Metrolinx to silence the train horns. It's, it was a very, very long, tiring journey, but this, is, this was a good lesson for everyone to learn that when you start something, never give up because there is always an end in sight. And finally... Eight years later, this year, all the 
crossings in the city of Markham have had their um, safety measures upgraded, and now no trains that pass through the city of Markham will be sounding their train horns, of course, unless they see some silly person walking along the train tracks or an animal. But otherwise, all the train horns have now been stopped in the city of Markham. But it was a very, very long journey. Like I say, it took over eight years of fighting. But it was a good lesson in perseverance and one to learn that one should never give up when you start something. So somewhere along the line, you ended up getting an award for your work. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I think it was a couple of the parents um, from my social justice group, the Giving Tree Union Bell. They were, I think, very grateful um, with all the different initiatives that I had been teaching, not only their children, but also um, the adults. And they wanted to thank me and show my and show their appreciation also create awareness for others and they wrote into the governor general to tell her about the work that had been done in unionville and i was very blessed and fortunate and honored to have received the governor's general award for volunteers and uh well deserved so the mayor of mark the mayor of markham does he recognize what you're doing um, he does um, to a certain extent, yes. He's always, I have to say he's always been very supportive. Um, he has come to nearly all the events that we have run locally, and he has also been very supportive of the youth um, that have championed very, various initiatives within the community. So, yes, I will say he has been very supportive. Okay, now we get to the current situation and something that you had not planned, and you're part of a, a national organization, I guess, in terms of what you're doing. Tell us about the MASK initiative. Okay. Well, when um, Canada went into lockdown back in March, we were told as a country that there was a huge shortage of um, masks and gowns and scrub caps for a lot of our frontline workers. So I decided with a friend of mine to sit together and see if we could spend a bit of time maybe sewing some masks and some scrub caps to help donate towards the local hospitals and seniors' homes. Well, we then found out that there was a larger organization, or another organization, I should say, in Durham that had also started to do the same thing. So we decided to pool our resources and collaborate and share all our different um, um, supplies so that we could help each other grow. And I have to say that on the 1st of April, I started with five volunteers, and today I have 110 just a month on. And that is, that is just in the York region. So I ended up joining a group called Canada Sows. I now run Canada Sows York region. And we have, from my front door, collected and delivered 7,825 masks, scrub caps, and scrub bags to date. Uh, Just to our frontline workers within the York region. And explain how this works. I, I mean, 7,000 masks. I know, it's incredible. 
And, and how does it so, work? So what happens? We have enco- we have managed to um, encourage a great number of volunteers within our community that really are stuck at home with not a lot to do. Some have been laid off. Some jobs are on hold. Some don't have a lot of work to do and have some spare time. And everybody wants to feel like they can help in some way. So they've all dug out their sewing machines and spread the word. And everybody that sews any item, they then bring it to my porch for a drop-off. I supply fabric, elastic, thread. These are the only these are the supplies that are needed to produce our items. All these supplies are donated by other various members of our community who perhaps can't sew but would like to help in some way. So they have been bringing supplies to my porch that I sort out for others who are sewing to come and collect. When they finish their items, they come back to me. I catalog them. I photograph them. I sort through them. I do quality control. I quarantine them and disinfect them. And then I package them for delivery to fulfill our requests. Our requests come in through um, our main website. We have, we're now known throughout Canada. And any request that comes in and falls within your region will come to my desk for me to fulfill. And then what I do is I prioritize the request based on what I feel is a necessity. So seniors' homes, PSWs, and hospitals are a huge priority. Businesses are not as huge a priority, but some are, such as plumbers who have been working um, nonstop throughout um, the epidemic because they've had to go into people's homes to help fix things, electricians as well. So there are certain organizations and businesses that um, we do prioritize. Wow. You really are uh, an initiator within the community, and that's that's where you uh, deserve that award that you got. And this, <laughs> this shows your creativity as well as your innovation. <laughs> so what's next? What's next? <laughs> I don't know what's next. We'll have to wait and see. I never expected to take on the Canada South York Region Initiative. And so with me, I, I never really know. It, something just happens to fall on my lap. Okay. I want to talk about the, uh, your views on the importance of partnership for nonprofits and social enterprises and charities. Yes. Could you tell me your views on that? Oh, I think it's extremely important to form partnerships because if we don't, if we don't collaborate, and if we all work independently and selfishly, then we're never really going to be able to achieve the great picture. And that's one thing that I've always tried to do is to collaborate with so many various different organizations. And um, really, that's the only way that I've learned, that the children that I'm mentoring have learned and their parents have learned is through collaboration with so many different organizations. I think there's a big um, stumbling block because a lot of people tend to be very um, protective and um, 
don't want to let too many people in or, or share too much, but I'm hoping that with what's happened now and the virus, it's really brought out a lot more in people, and I'm hoping that people will be able to see that But by collaborating with different organizations and initiatives that we can actually achieve a lot more moving forward. So I want to step back. Your current organization in Unionville um, with the kids, Yes. have you stopped doing your Monday sessions or are you doing them online? Um, No, we have stopped at the moment. And the reason we stopped is because their schoolwork is all online and they're doing it at so many different various times. And so it's been very difficult. But what they have been doing, what the children have been doing is they've been emailing um, all their parents' friends and um, in the community, reaching out to their neighbors and to their family members to ask anyone that has donations that can they can provide such as fabric, thread, um, and elastic. They've also reached out to their family and friends to see if anybody's willing to be a delivery driver for us. So they've been helping my initiative right now um, by trying to help get volunteers. Wow. So they're, they're finding something meaningful beyond their schoolwork. I, I know I have a, a daughter who's a grade three teacher, and she has three kids, and she's homeschooling as well as doing her online teaching, as well as going to staff meetings online. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the kids are, are busy, and uh, they do get assignments, but it's great to hear that your group are still involved in supporting your initiative in terms of uh, masks. They're always hungry to be doing something, which is wonderful to see. So do you see any other projects that maybe they could take on while we have this pandemic? Um, that's one thing that we're trying to look, we're, we're looking at right now. The environment was such a big issue for them this year. Um, and I've had so many photographs sent in to me recently. They've been out for drives with their parents. And they've been taking photographs of rubbish strewn all over the place. Um, And that's something that they seem to want to continue because it is an initiative that they started at the beginning of this year. So I'm trying to see if there's a way that we can still work and not forget about the environment. They've also noticed um, from reading in the news that a lot of areas in the parts of the world have seemed to have cleared up a little bit because of the pandemic. The pollution, air pollution has reduced. People are not going to beaches. There's not so much waste thrown on beaches. And they're trying to see if there's a way that they can encourage people to love and protect the environment uh, moving forward. So that's something that we're thinking about right now. Well, that's terrific. There are a lot of uh, good examples out there in the communities, and that's what... uh, is really making a difference under some very difficult and stressful times. Absolutely. So three years from now, and I know this is a tough question, what is Shanta going to be doing three years from now? 
I couldn't tell you. I, I, if you had asked me six years ago, what would I be doing? Would I be doing something, so many crazy things right now? I would have said absolutely no way. So I don't know. I'm hoping that there will be something that would be very fulfilling and a cause that would need to be championed. So we shall see. And that's what's exciting about Shanta for the listeners is this lady doesn't stop. She is cause-driven as a social innovator, giving back to the community in whatever she does. And Shanta, I want to thank you for your time this morning. And as a matter of interest, we will be sending out the video that was created to outline what you're doing. Uh, on social media with this uh, podcast. So, well, thank you so much for helping spread that word. So thank you very much for your time, and I hope to see you in real life soon. Absolutely. You stay safe, Peter.